You can access content from over 59 different countries by changing your virtual location with one click. With NordVPN, you can be anywhere in the world virtually and access content from those regions. If you're outside the U.S., you still have access to all U.S. streaming services. You'll never miss your favorite show again. It is so easy to use, too. You might hear people say that VPNs have a reputation for slowing down your internet speed, but not with NordVPN because it is the fastest VPN in the world, and you don't have to sacrifice internet speed for better security. With NordVPN, internet traffic is routed through a secure, encrypted tunnel, which protects your data and privacy. You can also have NordVPN on up to six devices, so all your devices are protected. Go to nordvpn.com slash roam, or use the code roam exclusive podcast code and get up to 73% off NordVPN plan plus a bonus gift. Be quick because this offer is for a limited time only. That's nordvpn.com slash Rome or just use the code Rome. You know who else was nice? Chris Chambers was nice. Absolutely. Andre Johnson, yeah. uh, Santana. Oh man, it was every Sunday, uh, Jim. You had to really be praying a lot, be prayed up to hopefully do your job and not be get put on the highlight reel. Because every Sunday seemed like you was you was dealing with a beast at the wide receiver position. What's cracking? Welcome back to the Jim Rome Podcast, and welcome to episode one hundred and ninety-seven. Hard to imagine there have already been 196 episodes of the original Side Hustle. Even tougher to imagine that every single one of them has been well worth the listen. And I will keep that streak going today because this week I'm joined by two-time Super Bowl champ Bryant McFadden. My man brings the heat. He played for the legendary Bobby Bowden at Florida State before going to the Steelers in the second round of the 05 draft. He managed to rip a ring under both Bill Cowher and Mike Tomlin over two stints in Pittsburgh. And now he's moved on to broadcasting and currently gigs as an analyst for CBS Sports. He is an outstanding communicator with insight and stories and anecdotes for days. So let's get right to the good stuff. It is episode 197 with former NFLer Bryant McFadden, and it's coming at you right now. Brian, it is so good to have you in long form on the pod. It's been a minute or two. Bring me up today, man. How you living? How's your life? Man, everything's pretty good. You know, I'm just staying out of the way, trying to stay healthy, uh, enjoying this outstanding football season co- collegiately and professionally, so I have no complaints. All right, so it's been a really wild year in both the college game and the pro game. I want to get into that in a minute, but do me a favor. Take me back. I want to talk about your career for a moment first. Coming out of high school, you were ranked by many services as the top cornerback in the country. You lived in Hollywood, Florida, only 30 minutes out of Miami. So for those who do not know, how did you end up at Florida State as opposed to the U. What was your mindset? Uh, my mindset, well, those were my top two options. Um, when it came down to, uh, you know, separating the pack, you know, Miami and Florida State was right there. They were neck and neck. But what made my decision easier to go to Tallahassee was the head coach, the structure, the stability. Um, I felt like Bobby wouldn't go anywhere. I felt like if Bobby was to walk away from coaching uh, Florida State football, he would retire. At that time, Butch Davis was the head coach for the Miami Hurricanes, and he just basically, you know, uh, revitalized the, the program. Remember, they were on, you know, uh, they had some some scholarship issues. They were on probation. Uh, that '99 season, he started to kind of get things going in the right direction. And I felt like 
Butch Davis would eventually leave. Now, granted, when he came inside my house to visit me for a home visit, I, that was one of the big questions that I asked. You know, if I signed with Miami, would you be there? Would you be the head coach while I'm there? And he said yes. But, Jim, I didn't believe him. It was something about him answering that question and the look that I saw for him in his eyes that told me that would not be the case. And I asked Bobby the same question. He said yes. He said, McFadden, I had opportunities to leave. I didn't. Why would I leave now when I'm closer to the end of my coaching career than the beginning? I'll be there. So I trusted Bobby more so than trusting uh, Butch Davis. And, of course, if you know anything about football, eventually Butch left Miami and he went on to coach the Cleveland Browns. So that was the deciding factor for me, the head coaching, the structure, the stability. That's, that's a really interesting story, and no doubt about that. I mean, you can see where that might play out the way it did. And, you know, Bobby Bowden, he was not going anywhere. There was no way he was going to leave. You know, Brian, I've told the story, but when I first broke into the business early on in the 90s, and I got a TV show on, on ESPN2, you're always chasing the big guest, right? Bobby Bowden was larger than life. There was nobody like him at that time, yet he would always do it. He always gave us access. He was such an amazing guy I'm really curious at that point in his career him being one of the legends of the game and an all-time great gentleman what was it like to play for Bobby Bowden you know what Jim it's funny you mentioned that Bobby would always make himself available that same home visit when he came into my house I don't know how word got out at my high school that Bobby was going to make a home visit to me but somehow it got out, and the day of the home visit, while I'm in school, I had people from, from the, the, the principal, the staff, teachers, you know, uh, uh, janitors, everyone was sending, giving me memorabilia for, for, for Bobby to sign. And it's like, yo, um, it's like, Brian, you know, we hear that Bobby is coming to make a home visit. Would you do us this, this favor and ask, would he be okay in signing these items? And Jimmy, I had a whole bunch of items that I, I took home. So before we even got started into the home visit, when he walked in, he introduced himself, you know, shook everybody's hands. And I said, coach, I'm sorry, I'm embarrassed, but you know, a lot of people at my school, they're fans, they're fans of Florida State, and they're definitely uh, big-time fans of you. Would you mind signing some of these items? So literally, he looked, and I had everything laid out on the table like I was the actual signing vendor. I had everything laid out neatly. And he looked, he said, oh, McFadden, because he always called me McFadden. He never said Bryant. He never said B-Mac. Anytime he referred to me, he always said McFadden. McFadden, no problem, McFadden, no problem. You know, he asked, what color marker do you have? I said, heck, I got a a silver, I got a gold, I got a black, whatever one you want. So literally, Jim, he did a 30-minute signing before we actually got into our visit. Now, I'm not surprised at all. That That is amazing, but not surprising. I mean, that was Bobby. And and I know he wanted you, but that's not why he did that. That's who that guy was. I mean, maybe a part of it, but that's how that guy always showed up. So, clones, what do we want when we're craving protein or we need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. No, we want beef. Pure and simple. So where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper beef jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper beef jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for their relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously. You can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest that goes with you wherever you go. 
Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality that you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? So, Brian, on your podcast, the All Things Covered podcast, one thing you like to do is ask guys what their welcome to the NFL moment was, and everybody's got a different one. Let me turn that around on you. What was your welcome to the NFL moment? Good question. My welcome to the NFL moment was my first game being active against the Jacksonville Jaguars my rookie year. Uh, We had a few injuries in the secondary, so initially I was supposed to be you know, playing here or there. But what happened was someone else got injured, and then Coach Coward walked up to me to the sideline, and he was like, B-Mac, do you know your stuff? Like, in my mind, I'm like, Coach, yeah, I know my stuff, man. Yeah, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't know the place. <laughs> so I'm like, yes, sir, I'm ready to go. Are you sure? And, I mean, he was fired up because it was a very, very intense game. It was close game. It was intense. And he was like, are you sure? I mean, I saw the chin coming out, spit flying everywhere. I'm like, man, coach fired up. I'm like, yeah, coach, I'm sure. So long story short, I get in the game. My first snap in the game defensively was man-to-man coverage on Jimmy Smith. Mm. And at that time, Jimmy Smith was towards the end of his career, but he was still hell. He was still a top-level player at the wide receiver position. And, man, Jimmy Smith just – I'm just so happy. I think the quarterback was B-Left, Byron, Byron Left, which was the OC uh, for Tampa Bay right now. I'm just so happy Byron didn't just target Jimmy Smith every time I lined up from him because he had me going every which way. I mean, number one, when I first lined up on Jimmy Smith, Jim, the first thing I thought about was this is the same guy who I saw just killed the Baltimore Ravens secondary. I can't remember what year that was, but in Baltimore, Jacksonville went to Baltimore, and Jimmy had like almost 300 yards receiving, like three touchdowns, crazy numbers. And that's the first thing that I thought about. I'm like, man, this is the same guy I saw We're just taking Chris McAllister deep. I mean, some of the best guys, Dwayne Starks, Ed Reed, everyone who was in that secondary was chasing Jimmy Smith, and that's what I thought of. So instantly I'm kind of like, oh, man, let's go, Mac. Let's go, let's go. But long story short, man, Jim, he hit me with almost every route in the route tree, and he was open every time. Thankful, I'm thankful that B-Left did not target Jimmy Smith because anytime he I lined up on Jimmy Smith, it was just like, man, this is not how it's supposed to be. Like, I had no shot. And like I said, Jimmy Smith, was I always considered him to be one of the best wide receivers to do it. Um, and granted, he had some off-the-field issues. But when he was in his, in his prime, Jimmy Smith definitely gave me my welcome to the NFL moment. I was holding my breath every time I lined up across him because I was that nervous. See, dude, this is why I love talking to you. You've always got great stories, man, stories for days. And I agree with you about Jimmy Smith. I can remember, Brian, back in the day, I would always have him on the show and Kenny McCardo on the show. Back, back in the day when Jacksonville was a lot of fun to talk about. But to your point that, man, this guy was hell, even at this point in his career. You're right, because on the field, he was a pro man that guy was a pro's pro when you think back on your career if that guy was hell who were some of the other receivers that were really hell that you knew man even if I bring my best it's still gonna be a long Sunday oh man you can just pick you can close your eyes and pick because back then you know in the early well 2005 was my rookie year so from 05 06 07 08 09 I mean Randy was hell all right Steve Smith senior hell Reggie Wayne Marvin Harrison um, Chad, uh, you all, you know, another player who was hell and me and him got drafted the same time. And oddly enough, our rookie year, we lined up across from each other a lot. Freaking Chris Henry. Yeah. Oh yeah. No dude. With us. May he rest in peace. Chris Henry. Ooh. 
And one thing about Carson Palmer, Carson Palmer had one of the prettiest, accurate deep balls I've ever ever played against in the National Football League. And I'm talking about playing against Peyton, playing against Tom, Drew. Carson Palmer's deep ball was so precise, and he always laid it where he needed to. And Chris Henry running that deep post, and don't be outside of Chris Henry when he hits you with that inside move, and now he's inside of you running that post trying to run away from you. Good night. Chris Henry, man, man and the crazy part about that, that, that matchup between me and Chris, in the, Orange, in the Gator Bowl my last year at Florida State, we played West Virginia. And that was my first intro into Chris Henry, who he was as a wide receiver. And me and him had some back and forths then during that ball game. But Chris Henry was a guy, man, who was, who was, who was nice. Vincent Jackson, another guy who's no longer here with us, man, he rest in peace. Uh, he was held as well. I mean, he, any given, any, any, you know who else was nice? Chris Chambers. Chris Chambers was nice. Absolutely. Andre Johnson, yeah. uh, Santana. Uh, man, it was it, it, every Sunday, uh, Jim, you had to really be praying a lot. Be prayed up to hopefully do your job and not be get put on the highlight reel because every Sunday seemed like you was you was dealing with a uh, beast at the wide receiver position. Man, that's amazing, Brian. I was going to say there are no easy days. There were no easy days. There are no easy days. The only easy day is yesterday. I'm so glad you mentioned Chris Henry. I don't know why. I mean, he's not here any longer, but I haven't thought about him in a long time, man. He was great. He was a great player. You mentioned, and I try to be as objective as possible, and I never want to play favorites, but, dude, I can't lie to you, man. I've always been. I talked to him this week on my show, and he showed up again the the way only he can. Dude, I love I love Steve Smith Sr. I could go on for hours about why I respect this guy and why I love him so much. What was he like to go up against? How physical, even at his size, was he to go up against? He was very, very tough. Steve Smith Sr. was one of the toughest wide receivers I went against. And it wasn't just about his toughness as a wide receiver, his toughness as a football player. He approached the game with a defensive mentality. And not too many wide receivers had that skill set within their game, but that's how he, he he approached the game. He always played with a chip on his shoulder, like it was a personal matchup. And I had Steve Smith on my podcast as well, and one story he shared with me and Pat P was that he, and when playing against Steve Smith, people think that he talks a lot of trash, right? Because you always see him, you know, mouthing off. But one thing that he uh, uh, shared with us, he wasn't talking trash to the corner or the DBs he was going against. He was talking trash to himself as in getting himself going. Like, man, they think this guy can cover me one-on-one. He don't stand a chance. (laughs) He don't stand a chance to cover me. And it's funny now that I think about it when I heard that story from him at that time. It's like I used to always hear him talking to someone, and I never thought he was talking to himself. I was always thinking he was talking to one of us, you know, one of the defender guys, one of the defensive guys that's going against him because you never would think, man, I'm playing against this guy, but he talks trash to himself to get himself going. So it was a funny, it was a funny little situation within the situation because at that time, that's why so many people thought that he talked a lot of smack to different people. So no, he revealed to us that, no, man, I was talking trash to myself to get myself going. Like, how disrespectful is this staff if they think this guy can cover me by himself? Uh, Dude, he ran on that fuel. He ran on that fuel always. All right, so from the very first moment I sat in my X chair, my body immediately went, ah, this is what a real office chair is supposed to feel like. (laughs) I mean, like I never actually looked forward to sitting in my office chair until I got my X chair. That's how amazing the X chair is. Can your current office chair give you a massage while you're working? 
Yeah, my X chair can. Can your current office chair heat up or cool down? My X chair can. It's all in the LMAX massage and temperature regulation, exclusively designed and made for X chair. High performance, quality engineering, extreme comfort. These are all the reasons I love my X chair, and now I can't wait to be at work. Sometimes, even if I'm not working, I just sit down and I kick it in my X chair, you know, to get that feeling. So take my advice. Try X chair for yourself, risk-free for 30 days. Once you realize how much better your chair should be, you will never go back. Go to xchairrome.com right now. That's the letter X, chair, R-O-M-E.com. Or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR and get 100 bucks off your order. X-CHAIR has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. That's xchairrome.com, xchairrome.com. To that point, that's new to me. I did not know that a lot of those conversations were between him and him, but we know how hot he can run and what kind of fuel he was running on, although he has mellowed a little bit. But, man, he he was just so, so tough. Now, Brian, let me ask you about one of my other favorite players ever, a legend out of Florida State. He's a part of that Seminole family, an amazing athlete. I got to ask you about Terrell Buckley. When I came up, man, T-Buck was my guy, dude. I love T-Buck. What do you remember about his athleticism and watching him play? Man, T-Buck was one of the best three-step corners I've ever seen. And what I mean when I say three steps for the folks that are listening to us, as a defender, cornerback-wise, when you're playing off coverage, usually you're taught to read the three steps, the first three steps of the quarterback. And that's basically a cheat code for you because if you see him gather the football on that third step and his shoulders are turning, you're getting a short route. You're getting a slant. You're getting a hitch. You're getting a quick out. You're getting something that's short. So you can kind of eliminate all deep passes, deep routes from the wide receiver. And if you go back to one of the – Famous plays from Terrell Buckley at Florida State. The interception against Gerback, if I'm not mistaken, against Michigan and Ann Arbor. When he took that out route yard for about 47, 37 yards for a touchdown, that's who T-Buck was. And the thing about T-Buck, people, when you look at Florida State football, secondary-wise, no question, you start that conversation with Deion Sanders. But there's never been a more productive defensive back at Florida State than Terrell Buckley. When I mean productive, I'm talking about stats. Statistically speaking, in three years, Jim, Terrell Buckley had 21 interceptions in three years. Now, the crazy part about that, his first year, he didn't really start. He didn't really start his first year, his true freshman year. He was in the mix, but he wasn't a day one starter. So he basically, you know, was able to accumulate 20-plus interceptions in a matter of two and a half years, to say the least. It, it's incredible, dude. I'm so pleased that you answered that question the way you did and that you think that highly of him. It is so true. When he came out of college, Brian, I remember I was having that conversation because the big thing was, do you take him or Troy Vincent? Because they were totally different guys, totally different players, different body types, and there was that whole thing. And I knew about that stat, about those picks. He had all those picks. And I remember asking him coming out, like, T-Buck, what's, what is a realistic number in the NFL? How many picks do you think you'll have? He said 20. I'm like, what, over those three years? He's like, no, 20. 20 in my first year, 20 this year. Like, he really did believe that, and he made so many plays and was utterly fearless. 
utterly fearless. So I'm, I'm just hyped that you answered that question that way. What about overall, though, your alma mater? Brian, when you look at them right now, what do you think when you look at them? What do you see, and how do they get that thing turned around? How concerned are you about it? Uh, I'm very concerned. I've been concerned for some years now. What I'm seeing from Florida State football, uh, the inability to finish, you know what I mean, finish the drill, that was something that they emphasized when I was there. Finish. The finish is more important and more important than the start. And that's safe to say in anything that you do, athletically, you know, talking about sports or just talking about career-wise, you've got to make sure you finish. And that's something that we haven't been able to do, finish. And I think it's going to take some time, and clearly for Florida State, if you're a fan of Florida State, you talked about T-Bug, you talked about primetime, you talked about some of the legends. We're used to be seeing production on the football field, consistent production. And the patients are very, very short when it comes to Florida State football. Um, but, you know, I just got to keep crossing my fingers. This is a big game this upcoming week against Miami. I mean, this is, a, this is a great opportunity to kind of right all the wrongs that have happened so far this season if you can beat your, your rival in the Miami Hurricanes. So hopefully uh, they put forth one of their best efforts this upcoming season and play great football this week at home against Miami because this could definitely change not the direction of the season but clearly put more of a light, a positive light on what has happened compared to what we've seen so far. I mean, Brian, those two programs are absolutely so historic with so much tradition and both not what they used to be. Let's take a moment and talk about WinBet, the latest and greatest sports betting app on the market. The same five-star hotel service that you know and love is now in the digital betting space, providing an elite sports book and digital casino app. So whether you're playing money lines for NFL Week 10, totals for college football Week 11, or both, WinBet has you covered. Are you looking for other sports? WinBet has that too. It's all right there for you with your WinBet app. WinBet is also fully integrated with Win Rewards. That means by playing WinBet, you can accrue points to earn free credit in app and comp dollars towards perks at Win Resorts, discounted hotel stays, priority dining and entertainment, free merch. It really is the best loyalty program in the industry, so go ahead and call it a win-win. Whether playing from your phone or your computer, you've absolutely got to sign up for WinBet as quickly as possible. Bet with the very best. Get into the game. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. You do have to be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. What was it like to go up against the U and play Miami? Uh, that was that was the NFL game. Anytime we played Miami, anytime we played Florida back in those days, it, that was draft day. That was draft day. If you want to get drafted, ball out against Miami on a national stage. You know, back when they had uh, uh, Brent, Brent Musburger was on the call along with Jackaroo, and uh, earlier then it was Keith Jackson, you know what I'm saying, Ward Nelly, you know what I mean, with Lynn Swan on the sideline, the ABC 330 crew. That was a national game then, back then. So that was the money game. If you want to get drafted, go ahead. If you ball out against Florida State, if you ball out against Miami, you will hear your name called in the NFL draft that upcoming year. So think about this now, uh, Jim. Think about, and I'm just going to highlight some of the players I played against, right? They had pretty good games against Florida State, against us during my time there. Sean Taylor. Sean Taylor used to kill us. Oh, my goodness. Every time we God bless the dead. May he rest in peace. Anytime Sean Taylor played against us, we knew he was going to get at least a pick, a block punt, and a fumble recovery. We just knew it. And he balled out. Granted, 
got drafted extremely high. Jeremy Shockey, that touchdown he had against us in 2000, that definitely played a big part in his success in getting drafted where he got drafted at. I mean, Jonathan Vilma, uh, when you look at Santana, I mean, when you look at Andre, Andre Johnson, I think in 2001, had a hell of a day against us in Dope Campbell. So that was like a money game. And I remember that 2002 matchup in Miami. That was one of the hottest games I ever played. And for some reason, they had us play at 12 o'clock. And they had the lights on in the old Orange Bowl, wow. one of the more historic venues in college football, in professional sports, to say the least, because they had some NFL Super Bowls there as well. That game consisted of combined, both teams combined, we had almost 40 pros on both teams that eventually got drafted. On that 2002, in that 2002 matchup between Florida State and Miami, I think the approximate numbers were anywhere between 36 or 39 pros, guys that got drafted, not free agents, just draft picks. So if you factor in some of the free agents that also were, were, were a part of a team, now you have to in, increase that number by at least 15 to 20. I mean, that was a pro game. You never, ever see anything like that. Brian, you mentioned Sean Taylor. I want to follow up really quickly on that because he died so tragically and at such a young age and maybe at least tiny bit, maybe in part, that's part of the aura, part of the mystique, but everybody loved him. I mean, his peers, the guys he played with, the guys he went up against. What was it that made him so beloved and so unique? Well, Sean Taylor had different different. Uh a different attitude because the Sean Taylor that you would meet off the football field was not the same guy you would see on the football field trying to rip people's heads off their shoulder. Um, but he just was a good guy. I didn't know him personally like that outside of football, Sean Taylor. But one thing I can tell you about Sean Taylor, he sparked fear into whoever it was he was playing against. Like sometimes I used to be afraid for our wide receivers when they played Miami, and, and, and I knew Sean Taylor was going to be commanding the post, looking to take someone's head off their shoulder. And if, if he was able to, you know, still be with us, Jim, no doubt he would have been one of the best to ever do it at his position, in my opinion. You don't, really, you don't really see guys that big, that athletic, that fast, and that nasty all combined in one. He had a middle linebacker mentality. He had a cornerback athleticism he had a wide receiver hand the hands of a wide receiver and he had the instincts of a defensive coordinator that's an incredible description and the guy man he was just cold-blooded like good dude but an assassin right like like violent scary that kind of guy on the field no question so let me ask you something, and you tell me, does this sound familiar? You've got that one device that allows you to catch the game live, and then another that lets you stream your favorite shows, and you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbors, best friends, dads, moms, login for all the good stuff. Yet, let me tell you a better way, a simple way to get all of that entertainment that you love without all that hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorite together like never before so you can watch all your favorite sports movies and shows in one place that means no more juggling remotes no need to buy another device ever again and the very best part there is no annual contract 
Get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Brian, let me ask you this. On CBS HQ, I've noticed you've gotten into picking games against the spread. Now, it used to be back in the day, and I've done this a long time. Man, that shit was taboo, right? You just didn't do it. We didn't talk about it. You didn't do it. And now the world has changed, and there's gaming, and it's everywhere. Now, I'm curious about somebody. You have two Super Bowl rings. You work in this business. You're an extremely accomplished broadcaster. Is there anything more difficult or challenging than picking games against the spread? I'm really curious. As a former player, what's that like for you? Oh, no question. And to answer your question, that might be the most difficult thing that one could do. The way you wreck your brain to try to figure out which side you should go with and why you should go with that side can be nerve-wracking. And it could also be bad for your health. I'm, I'm pretty sure my blood pressure has been up and down just weekly doing college football and NFL football. But guess what, Jim? I love it so much because I love the drive. I love, I love knowing that I have a chance to win. And because of that, it, it gives me added fuel to keep doing it, doing it and trying to be good at it. Um, but, no, it's, it's very, very difficult. And I can tell you this much. You know how difficult gambling is? Just think about the NFL slate of games this past weekend, right? This past weekend we saw so many underdogs win ball games. Like, who would have thought the Buffalo Bills would travel down to Duval County and lose to, to Jacksonville? And mind you, they were a double-digit favorite. What about the Cowboys being another double-digit favorite against the Denver Broncos and not even coming close to covering that spread? But what about Arizona? No DeAndre Hopkins, no Kyler Murray on the road against San Francisco. Think about that. Think about all the underdogs that came in big time and didn't just cover. They won outright. And that's the part about gambling that can be nerve-wracking. But you know what? I love it because I just love the, the competition within the competition, the game within the game. And my, and my job is this, and I tell people this all the time, Jim, when it comes to gambling, it's, it's better to be lucky, more lucky than good. Because luck will take you a long way when it comes to gambling, and that's what you need to ride. When you hit that lucky strike, just keep going, keep going. And the goal is to win 51% of the times when you bet. Because if you win 51%, you will never see the red. You will never hit in the red. You will always be in the positives when it comes to earnings. Dude, you nailed it. You nailed it. That's exactly what that is. And it seems to me, Brian, like you already figured this out. I, I don't enjoy, the assuming I do it, allegedly i don't enjoy the wins <laughs> as much as i should like the highs are not as high as the lows are low right you have a bad beat it kicks your ass and you can't shake it but if you win you're like yeah that was kind of, that was pretty cool i felt good i think we have to appreciate the wins more than we do because it's so hard to win man it is so hard to win like when you say it causes stress what's the stress man it's not the dollar amount right you just don't want to be wrong you want to be right is that where the stress is coming from yeah, no question. That's, that's part of the stress. You always want to be right than wrong. But the stress is, okay, let me give you a, uh, the ultimate bad beat from a few weeks ago, yes. college football. Yeah. Florida State, they were a nine-and-a-half-point underdog against Clemson. Now, if you remember how that game ended, right, that game ended with Florida State down by, I want to say, six points or something like that, down by six points. But Florida State wanted to uh, – tried to do a flea flicker, to say the least. So the flea flicker ended up going back 30-plus yards. They lost 30-plus yards on that one play, the final play. The ball goes into the end zone. Clemson jumps on it. Clemson ended up covering. And because of that play, the over also hit. So not just you missed out 
on Florida State covering the nine and a half. If you had the under, you lost on the over as well. That's the stress that would definitely raise your blood pressure as high as a ride on, at Six Flags. Oh, dude, you're so right. Some of this backdoor shit that goes on when the game is already over and there's no reason for guys to be doing these things. Like, I understand their responsibility is not to us as gamblers, Brian, but when I see guys sliding short of the goal line to keep the clock spinning and not to punch it in because it's, quote, the right thing to do, and they have no idea how it impacts what the rest of us are doing, man, it blows my mind every single time. Every single time. Every and and I know gamblers that are checking us out right now, listening to us. They know they often scream at the television at their coach. Why are you kneeling the ball? We need one more point. Or why are you settling for a field goal? I need a touchdown. As a gambler, you forget that it's not about your bet. It's about the team trying to do whatever it is they need to do to win. Oh yeah, I don't give like, a damn that. about no, them. I want to win. Yeah, I don't give a damn about them. I I don't couldn't care less about them of course they couldn't care less about me you're so right it's just it's so amazing brian to me that we can all watch the same game but be watching a different game at the same time it's just it's wild the whole thing is just so wild listen before you go and you're right people who gamble who are listening know exactly what you're talking about which is why i brought it up i gotta get your thoughts what about what happened with the browns and dude i appreciate your time so much what about the browns and the week they had i mean that could not i'm not in that facility i don't know what's going on that could not have been an easy week for anybody involved what do you make of the way baker mayfield and his teammates showed up and beating down the Bengals the way they did after the week they had that's just the afc north for you when it comes to the afc north i mean recommend uh, the records or uh, resumes you can throw out of the window you can just throw it out of the window and for Cleveland, seeing exactly everything that happened this past week with OBJ, them releasing him, one thing Cleveland has shown the ability throughout time, throughout Coach Stefanski being there, they don't really pay attention to potential distractions. And they've, they've learned to play without OBJ. And I think because of that, that's why we saw the type of production that we saw from Cleveland, not to mention defensively, the turnovers that they were able to create definitely put their offensive positions to be successful. Uh, but that's just the AFC North. That just part of that was another surprising uh, uh, outcome because I felt like Cincinnati was given like maybe two points or something like that would easily cover at least by winning by a field goal. But it, that game was out of reach. So Cleveland, it's, it's going to be real interesting to see what they do the rest of the way. I think they have another important ball game against the Patriots, another hot team in the AFC right now. But let's see exactly what they do going forward. But, yeah, that was a huge, huge, much-needed win for Cleveland because they needed to definitely stay within the pack in the AFC, not to mention adding, giving a loss to Cincinnati would definitely help them out as well. I agree with everything you just said. I think they had to have that. They, that was a must-win game for them, not only for the standings, but just like for the culture and the character and the fabric of what's going on inside that building. I also agree with Cincinnati needing that game. And I thought they would show up differently, and they didn't. And I agree with your thought about the Patriots. All of a sudden, man, look out. Here they come. Let me just finally ask you then about OBJ. Like, I think the Browns are going to be fine without him. It didn't work out. It wasn't a good fit. What about him, though? Is he going to be fine without them? Like, where do you think he ends up, and how much do you think he has left? How does it go for Odell Beckham Jr. now? Wow, that's a great question. Wow, that's a great question. Yes, the Browns would be better without OBJ because we saw that a year ago. You know what I mean? Now for OBJ... I think it's all about what he wants. 
right? Clearly, at this stage in his career, he, I don't think he wants to be a part of a rebuild, a team that's searching for their identity. He wants to be a part of a team that could be relevant and compete. Me, personally, if I'm the Baltimore Ravens, with Lamar Jackson, and I just had this conversation regarding Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens earlier today. The organization, in my opinion, Jim, has done him a disservice. They've done Lamar Jackson a disservice, and they've done the NFL a big-time favor in not addressing the wide receiver room. Because Lamar Jackson is so good. He can make, make up for things that you might not have around him because he's that good. But when you look at some of the outstanding young quarterbacks that's considered his peers – they all have proven number one guys. Kyler Murray, they went and got DeAndre Hopkins for Kyler Murray. Josh Allen, the Bills went and got Stephon Diggs, right? When you look at these quarterbacks that have excelled and taken, and taken their game to another level, they all got proven number ones. Lamar Jackson don't have that. If I was to ask you a question right now, Jim, to rank the wide receivers in the AFC by teams, where would you rank the Baltimore Ravens wide receivers? nowhere near the top. I'll tell you that right now. Like, they have some pretty good tight end play, but you're no, right. No, 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 don't include the tight ends. Yeah. I'm just saying no, wide receivers, not wide receivers. Catchers, wide receivers. Other than Hollywood, what do they got? Nothing. So it's safe to say you probably would have them closer to being dead last and anywhere close to being at the top. Uh, and here's what I can't figure out. Yes, yes, I would. To answer your question, yes, I would. But he's still throwing the hell out of it right now. He's still progressing as a passer. Yes, he is. But what we're seeing from Lamar Jackson will only go so far when you're playing in January and you're playing great on great. Playoff football always tends to show issues for teams that have kind of been under the rug, to say the least, because they're playing in the regular season. When you play playoff football, everyone is moving as fast as they can. Coaches are on their A game, and everyone is definitely trying to be as flawless as, trying to be flawless as possible. That's why we've seen halts happen sometimes in postseason play with some teams. And so that's why I mentioned that, because if I'm OBJ, if I'm Baltimore Ravens, I got to try it. Let's go try it. Let's go try it. Because right now, if you were to bring in Odell Beckham Jr. right now, Jim, and I know you watch the game, I know you watch football, and for people that's listening to us as well, this is a question for you guys. If, you were to, if Baltimore were to add OBJ right now, where would he be in the pecking order of wide receivers that they currently have? Let me ask you this. Let me turn that around. I mean, yes, you would think that he immediately would be a one or a two, right? But I don't know what the guy's got left, honestly, Brian. Like, physically, I don't know how sound he is. He's 29 now. I know that it was not a good fit with the Browns, but physically, how much does that guy have left? I know he's going to make plays. I know he can help somebody. But is he still a true number one to you or just there? I mean— the, the talent still is there. We just haven't seen it because of the misconnect between him and the quarterback in Baker Mayfield. The talent is still there. But if I'm Baltimore, and it's hard for me to even throw this out there because I'm a Steeler and I don't want to see Baltimore do anything noteworthy, but I'm a Lamar Jackson fan. If I'm Baltimore, if you go get OBJ right now, you're getting him in a situation where the team has all the leverage. Right? It's not OBJ has a lot of leverage. We can come in making all these demands financially. No, he understands that, you know what, I got to show the lead that I can go out and be OBJ. Right now, he's, act, he's, he's Odell. We need to see him go back to being OBJ. And I think he realizes that. And especially if you give him an opportunity to be with Lamar Jackson. Now, you throw OBJ in there. If he can just get back to showing us a glimpse of what he was, 
Baltimore is not just a team that can make a deep run. Baltimore would be a team that can get to the promised land, which is out there where you at in La La Land in California, Southern California. They can get there. Right now, Baltimore can get in the playoffs, no question. But deep runs, I think the inability to show up with a number one wide receiver will surface. But if you go add a guy like OBJ, who has to be motivated, because this, Jim, this probably will be his last, his last legit shot. Oh, I think so. I think you're right, dude. I think you're right. I think this is it for him. And if I'm Baltimore, what do you, you don't have anything to lose. You don't have anything to lose. Right now, you have all the leverage. Any team that probably signs OBJ, they will have more leverage than, than him as a player. But that's okay. That's okay. He wants another shot. He wants to be a part of a team that's going to really try to get him the football. And if you add OBJ, Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson has been the best everything for Baltimore because he has to do that for them to win ball games. He has to. But at some point in time, that's going to catch up to him. We've seen this in the postseason. We've seen it. Right. They have not been able to get it done in the postseason. Like, I like them. I like their grit. I like their toughness. I like their heart. I think Lamar is like a unicorn, obviously. But it hasn't played out in the postseason, and I'm hearing what you're saying, that this is a big reason why they have not taken that step in the postseason. Best against best. Everything's different in the postseason. All right, really quickly, Brian, your your podcast is really a really good listen. Who, like, how are you approaching that? You're different because you're different, and you have a different point of view and different experience. But in a world where everybody's got a bleeping podcast, how are you approaching yours, and how do you want to make it different and stand out from the rest? I approach the podcast with me and Pat P with no filters. Like we have a we have a structure, but we don't have a structure. I want listeners and, and the folks like that, that check us out on YouTube. I like that to feel like it can go anywhere. You know what I mean? Like yeah, we might have some type of you know organization involved, but it can go anywhere, and that's that's how conversations are in reality. Like if I'm sitting with you at a restaurant, Jim, we can be talking about anything whatever surfaces that we feel like is worthy of being talked about, we can talk about it. And that's something that I try to implement and me and Pat P try to implement every time we jump on, man, we can go anywhere. That's, and that makes it feel so authentic and just, you know, in a general conversation It's a regular conversational piece. It's not, it doesn't feel like it's, it's robotic. You know what I mean? Like it's, we're moving like robots. We got to do this. We got to do that. No, when I go to the barbershop, conversation go every, any which way. Right, we can go from talking baseball with the Braves. We can go from talking NBA with, with, with what's going on with the Lakers, NFL. Now we have more structure than conversations that happen in restaurants and barbershops or hair salons. But we have that type of versatility when need be, and I think that makes it so natural. Dude, you you get it. You fully understand the game. You understand content and how to create it. And also, for those who don't know, is there a better place to hang out than a barbershop? Like, I, I hate <laughs> that I no longer do this. Back in the day, when I used to work at Fox, my guy Kevin Frazier, really good friend of mine, said, dude, dude, this barbershop down on Hollywood and Vine, I think, or Melrose and Vine, I don't remember where it was. He's like, you got to go there now. I started to hang out at this barbershop and get my hair cut there. Dude, there's no place that's more fun than a barbershop. Ultimately, the guy that cut my hair left, and then the whole vibe of the place changed dramatically, and then I found a salon, which, you know, it works. I like it. I've got a great stylist, but dude, it ain't the barbershop. Tell me the barbershop's not the best place in the world. Oh, it's the best place in the world, man. You can go to a barbershop and just release all your stress. 
that day, whatever you're going through, you can go to the barbershop and share some uh, uh, encouraging news that you receive. You can go in the barbershop and talk about how annoyed you are with with whoever it is that's annoying you, you know, that's close by. You can go to the barbershop and just vent about some of the bad beats that you've had gambling related. You can just talk about it's a universal type uh, environment there when it comes to what you can talk about and why you can talk about it. So I'm right there with you. Good, man. A two-time Super Bowl champ, a CBS Sports NFL analyst, co-host of the All Things Covered podcast, and, dude, a tremendous podcast guest. Bryant, appreciate you so much. Understand that I understand and that that was a big ask for you to show up and do what you just did. So thank you so much, man. I appreciate you very much. Uh, Thank you for having me, Jim. I told you we had another great chat on deck, and Bryant did not disappoint. Few can talk ball the way he talks ball, and then even fewer can bring his level of energy and passion and are as good as he is anecdotally. That was awesome. So good to give him a chance to stretch out and drop some long-form, unfiltered knowledge because that's exactly what the original side hustle is and always has been all about. It's the kind of high-quality conversation that you expect from your podcasts so you're in exactly the right spot. And we have another one just like it set to drop next week. So if you could, can you take a second and subscribe? That way, episode 198 and every episode thereafter will find its way to you as soon as it goes live. And while you find that subscribe button, let me hit you with your voicemails. First new message. What's up, Vance Mac? It's Brady. I finally got around to watching Space Jam 2. And I got to tell you, it just was not the same. It was like there was something or somebody missing. Hard for me to put a baseball bat on it, but I'll let you know if I figure out what it was. See ya. Message saved. Next message. Romy, Justin in Melbourne. You know, after all these years, I never knew that little Alvy and Alec Baldwin finally had something in common. Yes, neither one of them are shooting blanks. Message deleted. Next message. Hi, Jimmy. This is a feminine silk again. Message deleted. You have no more messages.